Blog Talk Radio. Live from the Balance Sports <laughs> Talk Network of Radio Studio. Hey, I don't know what happened there. But... <laughs> I think we can cut the music. <laughs> better late, better late than never, huh? Right. Fashionably late, <laughs> late to the party. Uh, I, I, there's a reason I'm not allowed to push buttons. Go right ahead, sir. Yeah, the you know, the music dropped, and I just I thought maybe it was playing, maybe I couldn't hear it, maybe the audio dropped. Hey, welcome to Breaking Rank either way. My name is Rick Riggin, and welcome to the uh, smooth start to the uh, the show. College Football <laughs> Eve, uh, ladies and gentlemen, College Football Eve. Uh, joining me is Tom Marquez, the host of The Balance that you hear us at every Saturday morning. Uh, definitely tonight, you know, Breaking Rank is your midweek dose of college football. You can reach out to us at 917-889-8516. On social media at Rig and underscore Rick, which is me at Breaking Rank One and at Thomas Mark. Is that right? Is that your that Twitter right, handle? Sir. That is right. Sir. right. Ready to rock and roll, man. Ready to rock and roll. We got a lot to dive into, so let's just uh, got a lot to talk about. Let's dive into it. Let me rephrase. And uh, you'll be okay. I want to talk about. I'm alright. I think that audio at at the very beginning is a throw me off. Just you know. Right before the show, I just let everybody know I had a laptop problem, malfunction, and then miraculously, like three minutes before showtime, it all came back. And so I'm a little shaken up. <laughs> are you are you saying are you saying that you had an equipment failure? Equipment mal a wardrobe malfunction, but uh, we're here to raise equipment, <laughs> an equipment function. Uh, I'm glad you're able to take that pill, and we'll get things <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Hey, here's an idea. Why don't we just start the show all over again? All right, stand by. We're just going to start all over again. Hi, live from the Balance Sports Talk Radio Network studios. 
My name is Rick Riggin, and this is Breaking Rank, and this is exactly how you start a show right here. It's, it, this is for real this time. This is it. That's it. <laughs> College football, so t- boys and girls, and uh, we got a lot to talk about, so let's uh, dive right into it. Are you ready, Tom? You know what? I am ready, and it's an exciting time, and we'll do a, a selfless plug for the balance on Saturday morning. Selfless plug! College football special going on two hours on Saturday, although we will have to throw in some tidbits for racing uh, because we took the the uh, weekend off last week for kind of a vacation day. I did the corporate challenge only to have it rained out. So, hey, it was a good vacation day, but we've got to catch up on some racing on Saturday. But other than that... We are going to uh, be having college football uh, Saturday special, and it it is opening weekend, so we're going to be doing a lot on that. And I know you and I are going to be starting a new segment. We'll be talking about that as well, but go right ahead, sir. 917-889-8516 is the digits to reach out to us for all your college football questions. And I want to start with Washington-Auburn because I feel that is the biggest game of the weekend. It is not the most intriguing game. We'll talk about that game next, but – Washington-Auburn playing down in Atlanta, Georgia, essentially a home game, if you will, for Auburn. Washington's going to make the trip. And, Tom, my question is, uh, who needs this game more? Who needs this win more? Is it Washington or is it Auburn? Well, clearly it's Auburn because the last thing they want is to lose three straight games in Atlanta. So clearly I think it's a bigger win. I don't know that it's a must win for either team, uh, but I think it's it's a home, basically a home team, home game team for Auburn. Uh, Washington's on the road. Uh, Auburn wants to make a statement to, to come out the gate and punch somebody in the face. Uh, so the last thing they want to do is lose uh, to, to kick off with a bad start at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and Washington could just make it worse because I tell you one thing, the Huskies are the real deal, sir. Well, I will uh, respectfully disagree with you. I do believe this is a much bigger game for Washington only because of the conferences they both play in because everybody is so far down on the Pac-12, and the only other good team in the Pac-12 this year is Stanford. Even though USC is there and Chip Kelly's out at USC, uh, I just think the Pac-12 is like two steps behind what the SEC is, and it's just a schedule, really, that Washington needs this win because the rest of their schedule uh, really isn't that great compared to Auburn. Auburn can afford to lose this game. Uh, they can't get blown out in this game, but they can afford to take a close loss and then possibly run the table and still get into the uh, the playoffs. I, I think this is a much bigger win for Washington only because of the Pac-12, Tom. Well, you know, and that's a valid point, but certainly Auburn plays in what? The SEC. And here's one of the big things, you know, losing three straight games to the same opponent isn't necessarily unheard of. Uh, Losing three straight games inside the same stadium isn't the most outrageous thing. But Auburn would be on the wrong part of history if they were to lose this game. And I think that would be a mental ass-kicking for the Tigers if uh, Washington comes in and beats them uh, basically in their home field in their backyard. Well, I think Auburn does have the mindset, though, to win a game like this because Auburn is a team that beat Georgia and Alabama last year. Uh, they they lost to UCF in, in the uh, in the bowl game, but they did beat Georgia and they did beat uh, well, no, they did beat Georgia and they beat Alabama both last year. And they had the mindset; they have what it takes. They're they're a strong team. Uh, they're going to be really good. They're a lot. They're really a, a dark horse pick to win the SEC this year. I know everybody talks about Alabama right now. But it, it could be Auburn. Auburn can get two straight against Alabama in the Iron Bowl. And I think uh, a, a win right here 
uh, will actually serve Washington better well because the way their schedule lines up and just how weak the Pac-10 is this year compared to the SEC, I do think Washington needs this win more. And uh, Washington's a, a pick for everybody to make the playoff, but it's all got to start with this game right here because they need this win because a one-loss Washington with that schedule they have uh, in the Pac-12, I just don't think that they that they get in. Well, and, and here, here's the thing. Uh, Washington gets snubbed every year. We talk about, well, Washington should have been in the playoffs. Who's the one team that we know is going to get snubbed in the playoffs because of, of the Big Ten or because of the SEC? It's always Washington. So from that aspect, it is a huge win. I don't know. I, I, I'm not convinced that a, 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 a season opener loss to Auburn is necessarily going to put them out of the playoffs. Uh, but that said, uh, speaking of schedules, the rest of the schedule does set up nicely uh, for Auburn in a very special season. Even if, that, even if they do lose that uh, third straight time in, in there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday, Washington is, uh, is the first of four opponents ranked in the preseason AP Top 25, and Auburn has to play three ranked teams in the SEC foes Uh, on the road, Mississippi State, Georgia, and Alabama. That kind of gauntlet will help discount Tigers' first loss, but but Auburn still has to have a good showing on uh, Thursday, (laughs) Friday. (laughs) Help me out. Uh, I don't know the day. It's it's on Saturday. Saturday. It's on Saturday. (laughs) Like I said, it's college football leave. We have college football on the mind here because college football does. Week one starts tomorrow. Week zero is last Saturday, Tom. I don't think you caught any of the games, but uh, it was actually a pretty good game between Colorado State and Hawaii. I I watched the hell out of it because it was real college football that was on. It ended up being – it was a Hawaii blowout, but later in the game it got pretty good. Colorado mounted a a nice comeback, but great win for the uh, the Rainbow Warriors in Hawaii, uh, not beating uh, Colorado State on the road in like 20 or 30 years or something like that. So really big win for them. And like I said, it's college football leave. Week one actually starts tomorrow. The the notable game is uh, Central Florida taking on UConn. UCF is back at it. Uh, back in action again tomorrow. Of course, UCF beat Auburn in in the bowl game last year. So they're in Atlanta. That's one of the uh, that's their third straight <laughs> second second loss there. Yeah. So, well, we know <laughs> a little ahead. something about we we know a little something about UCF. Uh, their coach Lane Kiffin. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, hang let's on. Say... Lane Kiffin is Florida Atlantic. <laughs> oh, you're right. I do that every single time. Screw that. Go right ahead. CF and now right. he's at Nebraska. Well, the point the point is still the point. It could it, it could be any school. Insert him here. If Urban Meyer's on his way out of Ohio State, don't you think Ohio State University looks very closely at being one of the teams to give Lane Kiffin another shot as a head coach in the in a, in a major division, I should say. Oh, definitely. And there's a growing like rumor now that this is, you know, that he's lost the respect of the university president for one. And we could talk about this in the, the second segment, but uh, mm-hmm. where's Urban Meyer mm-hmm. going next year? Does he uh, take a year off? Does he go somewhere else? I have some thoughts on that. I'm saving for the uh, second half of the show. So definitely stick around for that. Uh, but, you know, we'll get back on the back on point here with Washington and Auburn. Uh, there's a lot of variables that go into the college football playoff and uh, a one loss Washington team that loses to Auburn in this game. Uh, what about comparing their resume to like a one-loss Wisconsin or one-loss Michigan State or one-loss Miami, these teams that, that play the tougher schedules there in the ACC and the Big Ten? Uh, what do you think that does to Washington then to go against these other uh, one-loss teams? 
And there you get, it goes it goes full circle to what we were talking about. That strength of schedule, that schedule is is what is uh, the cordundum, the the problem child, if you will, for Washington every single year. They're good enough to have a strong schedule. Unfortunately, they play out west. They don't get watched enough. They don't get as much attention. They don't get as high of ranked. Uh, and there again, uh, you're you're competing against Ohio State. You're competing against Auburn. You're competing uh, competing against Alabama. Who's that leave? It usually leaves one team. Who's that going to be? A lot of times, it's not going to be somebody on the West Coast. Just not going to happen. Yeah, and and the other team I think is in, in any contention here uh, in the Pac-12 for the Pac-12 championship is Stanford, a, a team that's been a thorn in Washington's side the last two years. Uh, they have probably they well they, it's not probably they do have one of the toughest schedules in the country. They, you know it's USC at Notre Dame at Oregon, and I think they're even or maybe it's home against Oregon, and then they, they go at at Washington. So if a, a one-loss Washington team really needs Stanford. Uh, to do well against that schedule uh, for the committee to look at Washington and because Washington and Stanford play. And if Washington beats a two or three or four loss Stanford team, that's not really going to look that great with the committee too. So that's, again, that's why I'm thinking it's more uh, Washington needs this win more than Auburn does because the way the schedule sets up. And let's not forget, even though they're not necessarily ranked now, they are a team that's getting a lot of a lot of uh, talkabouts, and that's uh, UCLA and their new coach. I don't like I said before and last week, and said on the show before, uh, UCLA is just the other Southern California team. Uh, they are UCLA just because they are UCLA. The only Southern California football team that matters in Southern California is USC. But that said. That said, they do play Washington, and if they manage, and they are at home that game uh, on October 6th, if they manage to pull off a win, I'm, I'm quite certain at this point that is a team that Washington has circled as a win. But I would say that UCLA is a team that is coming out to prove to the world that they aren't just the other Southern California football team, that they are, in fact, here, here in it to win it, as they say. And I'm really interested to see what that UCLA team looks like under Chip Kelly now being gone from college football for a couple of years. Is it going to be the same high-flying, fast-paced Oregon offense they tried to take into the NFL? Or did he bring some of this uh, NFL philosophies uh, back to Southern California with him? We're going to see a more pro-style attack in UCLA. I do think they're going to be very good defensively. Uh, Chip Kelly teams uh, in college football anyway are not known for defense. They're known for offense. But I do think UCLA is going to play a bit of defense this year. I'm just very interested to see what they're going to look like on offense. But you're right. I I do think uh, UCLA definitely has that Washington game circled. And Washington being the big dog in the Pac-12 this year, they're going to get every team in the Pac-12 this year. They're going to get their best shot. So, it's that schedule. How can they, if they can win against Auburn, if they can finally solve the puzzle that's been Stanford for them the past couple of years? Uh, I, for me personally, I can. I'll go ahead and make the pick here. I can make it on the balance on Saturday. Now I think Auburn does uh, get this win because it's in Atlanta. It's essentially a home game. Uh, I think they're just a. Their mindset is tougher. I think they're much bigger and physical, more physical team. And Gus Malzahn has done a great job uh, in, in the SEC against these SEC teams. Uh, he beat Georgia and Alabama last year, and I think he'll take care of Washington too. 
Well, certainly, uh, you know, we'll be watching that game very closely. Uh, again, I, 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 I think there'll be there's more eyes on on the number ten ranked Auburn uh, that, that can make uh, really a, a uh, college football so, uh, playoff selection this year is the Auburn Tigers, and I think they got a lot to prove. And and uh, I, 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 my my prediction is they'll definitely uh, beat uh, Washington. Uh, for so many sad reasons and then some, uh, but, uh, but, you know, absolutely. Uh, uh, Gus McGazin, is that how you say his name? I think. Uh, Malzahn. Malzahn. Gus Malzahn. I can't rule him out, man. You can't rule him out. I know I'm sounding like a, a Husky hater. I love dogs. Everybody knows that, but I just, you ask which you ask which team is the bigger win for, and I just think there's too much on the plate for Auburn because of where they're playing at. If they if they were if they were reversing, they were playing in the on the road at Washington. I probably would go the other direction, uh, but I just think there's so much on the line, and Washington's used to getting snubbed. Washington's used to nobody taking a look at them. Everybody's going to be looking at Auburn from game one, and game one starts with Washington. Yeah, and I think it's a case of what have you done for me lately. Uh, we see Washington uh, kind of just play themselves out of the uh, the playoff every year. You know, losing to Stanford late just doesn't help their cause. And uh, you, you just wonder about uh, their scheme as, as the season goes. The, the players just get, get tired out, but they just seem to fall apart towards the end uh, of the year every year. And uh, I, I think Auburn's going to win this game. And uh, Chris Peters is a hell of a football coach, but he's just – not there yet, taking that next step to be an uh, elite there at Washington. So I just think Auburn's going to get this win. Yeah, absolutely, uh, totally agree with you. See, we agree on something. You know, it's we agree. Like... We finally agree. This, <laughs> we circle this date because that doesn't happen much, and uh, I don't think we agree on this uh, next next topic though. What we're getting ready to talk about now, uh, I think Washington Auburn is the the biggest game of the weekend, definitely, but the most intriguing is one that's here a lot closer to home, and that is Michigan and Notre Dame. And uh, trying to host a show and keep my feelings out of it at the same time is kind of hard to do. Uh, so, Tom, I will start off with this question here. If you had to take – if you had to choose one quarterback to lead your team on a game-winning drive at the end of a game, game-winning drive, will it be Shea Patterson or will it be Brandon Wimbush? I'm going to go with Brandon Winbush on that one. I think he's already solidified his job there at Notre Dame, and and uh, I, I think there's already all kinds of buzz talking about that, uh, and I think he has the start against Michigan, so uh, that's who I would put my trust in. The guy you're going to start against Michigan in game, game one, uh, week one, that's your starter right there. And you got to believe I, in him that he's the guy that will take you to that win. I start the uh, the conversation on, on this game with that question only because I, I believe this game is going to come down to uh, what quarterback plays the best, which quarterback doesn't actually lose the game. Uh, we saw Brandon Wimbush fall apart at the end last year, starting that Miami game. Miami just destroyed him. Uh, Ian Book comes in, and then uh, Ian Book comes in and wins the bowl game for him too against LSU. Uh, Brandon Wimbush has confidence problems throwing the ball downfield, and it, it affects his short passing game too. Uh, he's a dynamic runner. He is a pretty good quarterback, but he lacks confidence. And during the offseason, I want to know uh, progress. If he's gained his confidence back, how he looks now, if he's going to be a confident passer downfield, and he should be. They have three receivers, 6'4 or taller. Just throw those balls up to these guys. Uh, 
that he lacks confidence. And then on the other side, we got Shea Patterson. He's two touchdowns and five interceptions against top 25 teams. Uh, he has like a four and six record uh, at Ole Miss. But Michigan and ESPN, my, uh, I'll, you know, I'll throw it out, out there too, thinks he's the savior of the uh, Michigan football program right now. Uh, so he's a four and six uh, record at Ole Miss. Two touchdowns and five interceptions against top 25 teams versus the uh, lack of confidence that Wimba showed last year and what he's done to uh, better himself in the offseason. Well, we all know that you are a Notre Dame homer, but you know what? At the I same time, the hell Notre Dame. Every week we talk about the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm not. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not opposing you on this particular scenario. I think I've said it before. I think Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated, most overpaid coach in the Big Ten. Uh, maybe now next to Urban. Meyer. And what we know about Urban Meyer, uh, but I certainly think that uh, yeah, I mean I, I think we talked about this last week on the show, uh, or, the, or or one of the weeks that that Michigan doesn't necessarily have to beat Notre Dame and necessarily have to have a 500 season for Jim Harbaugh to solidify his job. I still think Jim Harbaugh is going to be on the hot seat sooner than later, so I don't have a problem at all with this game. I think that it's going to be a good matchup. I think that. You know, obviously, it's at Notre Dame Stadium. It's going to be one of the most watched games of the weekend. It's going to be certainly uh, one of the, the premier games, uh, probably one of the games that have the most highest rating, obviously, because it's Michigan and Notre Dame. But I certainly do think that um, – well, let me propose this question to you, the same one you proposed on the last one. Which is the okay. bigger win? Is it a bigger win for Michigan or a bigger win for Notre Dame? It's a bigger win for Notre Dame because they do not play in the conference. They don't have a conference championship game, which we know now conference championship games don't really matter in the eyes of the committee. But they don't have that one extra game to uh, solidify their season and make their case for the playoff. Uh, I, in Michigan's case, you know, just compared to Notre Dame, Michigan can lose this game. Uh, they can lose it close, you know, as long as it's not a big blowout win. But if Michigan goes 4-0 and in November, that's going to mean wins against Michigan State and Ohio State. Uh, Urban Meyer is going to be king of uh, Ann Arbor again just for beating Ohio State. So they can lose this game but go undefeated in November, which that includes beating Ohio State, obviously. That's the last game of the season. So this game means more to Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame has a a really tough schedule, too. Uh, We saw Notre Dame lose to Georgia last year at home, but that was by one point, and Georgia goes undefeated, really. Uh, You know, they really lost to Auburn but made the national championship game. When the rankings came out for the playoff last year with that one loss to Georgia, Notre Dame was in the playoffs. They were actually ranked third at one point uh, because of that one loss. But that's because of their schedule. You know, they play at Virginia Tech. They play against Florida State. They play Stanford. They play USC this year. Uh, But just not having that one more game uh, to really sell uh, the committee on why they should be in, I think it just means more to Notre Dame to win this game. Here's the thing, and here's absolutely the, the, the thing that Notre Dame has to do. There's a couple things they have to do. They've got a pretty good passing game. I, I think when you say there's a lot of hype about the Irish uh, receiving corps, uh, uh, despite the loss of uh, that, I can't pronounce, but ends with St. Brown. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> and uh, Miles Brooklyn and, and Chase Claypool are great. But one of the things that – uh, uh, Notre Dame has to do. Michigan is Achilles' heel this year is going to be at the safety position. If they can dominate that and hit that Achilles' heel, 
they're going to have a very, very good chance of winning this ball game against the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, and, and Michigan's defense is really just being touted as, as unworldly, you know, a, a colossus of a defense, you know, one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, but that's off last year's stats, and let, let's look at who they played against last year. Uh, it's that Big Ten schedule, so, you know, it's teams like Rutgers and Maryland and, you know, those teams like that. But when they went against the big the big boys in the conference, it was a 42-10 to 10 loss to Penn State. You know, it, it was an 11-point loss to Ohio State. You know, they're not scoring very uh, many points against teams like – I think they played Wisconsin last year and also only scored 10 points and given up 20, 20-something. So when they go against these top 25 teams, they're giving up a lot of yards and a lot of points. But at the same time, everybody's talking to them like their defense is world beaters. And I maybe their defense is really good, but guess what? The Irish play defense too. The Irish are also a top 10 defense that returned nine starters from last year. And uh, not only do they return nine, they're actually bringing in a test starter because they have a Navy transfer, Alohi Gilman, who's one of the top safeties in the country. So that is uh, also going to play very well for the Irish. The Irish play defense, too. The I, Notre Dame's problem is replacing the offensive line, losing Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey to the NFL draft and Josh Adams you know, to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they got a lot of – a lot of stuff, a lot, lot of talent to replace up front. They still have Sam Mustafer, who I think is going to be a, a first-round pick on the offensive line. But what are they going to be at running back this year? It's Jafar Anderson. Uh, is Dexter Williams is suspended. He's not suspended. Nobody really knows. I know he's going to dress Saturday, but nobody knows if he's going to play. And Tony Jones Jr., who got some action last year, not much. But replacing all that talent, going against the uh, that hyped-up Michigan defense, is going to be the matchup of the weekend. Well, here's the thing. I, I know you Irish fans are the loudest in, in the in the in the room, and next to Ohio State fans, and we'll be. I know we're going to be joined by a, a huge Ohio State fan here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, I, so I know you guys like to toot your horn and say, "Hey, you know, we got a pretty gosh darn offensive line. We're not going to miss a beat." Here's the truth, and here's the reality of it: you're going to miss a multiple uh, multiple beat. Two of those you lost in, in the first round of the of the NFL draft. One of those beats is beating the drum right here in Indianapolis. So uh, with the loss of Quentin Nelson, so the the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish are going to miss multiple beats on the offensive line, and they got some holes to fix. Let's hope they could get it done, uh, and let's hope that they've addressed those issues uh, with uh, with that line uh, before before Michigan's game because that could very well be uh, Notre Dame's uh, Achilles heel right there. Right, and, that, and that's exactly why Brandon, Brandon Wimbush needs to throw this ball around the yard. He needs to throw with confidence. He needs to hit his receivers. They're going to spread Michigan up, uh, open. Uh, so they can get that running game going. Uh, Notre Dame under Chip Long has been a run-first offense. You know they really try to dictate the game with the run, uh, and up the middle, smash mouth style. You know even now the pistol and shotgun formation, they're they're stuff it down your throat team with the run under Chip Long. But Wimbush is going to throw the ball around the yard, and that's why I think this game is going to come down to the better quarterback play. And that's why I started this this uh, topic off. You know the Notre Dame Michigan topic off. Which quarterback would you take, Wimbush or Shea Patterson? Because at the end of the, of the game, with these two defenses, it is going to come down to the better quarterback play. Well, absolutely. And I, I, I honestly, there again, I, I, ever, as we always say, as Mike Tyson says, everybody's got to play until somebody gets punched in the face. Here's That's the right. thing. <laughs> uh, Michigan is quite arrogant enough to believe that they can go into 
uh, Notre Dame and, and beat the Irish and make a statement inside the Big Ten because that's what they want to do. They want to make the statement that they are the new Ohio State. They want to make the statement that they don't have an overpaid, overrated coach. They, there's a lot of statements that they want to make that they will make with a win against Notre Dame. So I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a blood bath. I think it's going to be uh, – it, It's it going to be well low scoring, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it very well may come down to uh, uh, who 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 controls the field goals, if you will. Uh, it very well might be one of those those uh, type of games. Uh, but uh, I know we're joined now, and and I know you're the host, Rick. But uh, hey, I got the I got I, I got the, the you got the here, switchboard. So. <laughs> I got the switchboard. Adam Jividen gives us a call. How you doing, sir? Let me, let me turn your mic on. How oh, are you, sir? Good. I'm doing good. How are you, Tom? Fantastic. Uh, you know, we're going to affectionately call you that from this point forward, Buckeye Adam, uh, because you are Adam. the biggest homer. You are the biggest uh, Ohio State, uh, Cleveland, uh, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers uh, homer that I know, and that's why you're the perfect person to have on the show. Rick Riggin, our host uh, tonight of Breaking Rank. Obviously, I host the balance. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. We do want to talk with you a little bit about Urban Meyer and, and the Buckeyes, but go right ahead, Rick. It's your show. I'll let you take the lead, sir. Hey, what's going on, Adam? Uh, we, 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 now. <laughs> we, we, we're currently talking uh, Notre Dame-Michigan. I'm sure you want to jump right into this conversation uh, real bad, don't you? You know, my parents actually live in South Bend, <laughs> and so I I have a respect for, for Notre Dame, and I utterly hate Michigan. So, you know, I'm got a prediction for this game? For Notre Dame-Michigan, I think uh, I think Shea Patterson is not nearly uh, as good as people look at. From his year at Ole Miss, they act like he's like the second coming of Joe Montana. Um, right. I think Notre Dame's defense is going to be really solid. Uh, I think they take the game – I think it'll be a low-scoring game. I'm thinking something in the neighborhood of, like, uh, 24-17. Yeah, me and him are no, you're, pretty much – you're giving, you're giving it better credit than I was giving. <laughs> yeah. I, I got I got a 27-17 Irish. Uh, I just think that Notre Dame's defense is, is going to be really stellar, uh, for one, returning the nine starters from last year, just like Michigan did. But uh, Notre Dame, yep. I, I think, played a much tougher schedule than Michigan did last year, and they're still a top ten defense. So even with Mike Elko, uh, Clark Lee steps in. Uh, that's uh, Mike Elko's protege from Wake Forest. I mean, he, he helped write write the defense with Mike Elko anyway. So it, it's the same. It's the same same defense. The same the terminology. The same wording. The same verbiage. Same all across the board for that defense. It's not going to skip a beat. And uh, like I, me and Tom was talking, I think this game was going to come down. I asked you this question too, because I don't know if you called in and heard some of this. Uh, if you had to take a a, a game winning drive, your late game game winning drive, who would you take, Brandon Wimbush or Shea Patterson? Um. Oh man, that's tough. At this point, I think you got to take Wimbush. Like Shea Patterson has sat on the bench for over a year. I don't know. I don't know any quarterback. I mean, look at Andrew Luck, as good as he is. His first couple preseason games was they were rough. I mean, there's no substitute for on the field experience. And really, Wimbush looked really good in the USC game and early in the season. And then he kind of got hit with that confidence bug. And he just, I think he got a case of the yips in the back half of the season. And I just, I think the way he's progressed, 
like I said, my parents live in South Bend. Everything that they're saying up there, he looks like the quarterback that they thought he was going to be all year last year, even then some. So I, I think the Irish are – if it comes down to a game-winning drive, I think Don Brown blitzes too often, and all it takes is one shot. Yep. And Wimbush has the arm to get that one shot. Tom, you got thoughts? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I'm like I, I'm totally on on the Wimbush uh, bandwagon. He's your starter. My thing is, is there going to be a touchdown at all in this game? I, I I'm looking at a 13-10 game with this game. This is going to be a who controls the field goals. This is going to be a defensive battle. I, I don't know that uh, that uh, Notre Dame or Michigan, for that matter, has what it takes to even get a single touchdown on Saturday. But I could be wrong. Well, could be wrong. I, well, the Irish put touchdowns off the board against Georgia last year, and I think Georgia's defense is a lot better in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Well, not to mention, I mean, Shea Patterson also, in the last year that he had uh, his season at, Mich- at, Miss- at Ole Miss, um, I, I, this stat isn't 100% accurate, but I'm pretty sure he had somewhere in the neighborhood of five or six uh, pick sixes that season. So he throws them. He takes he throws, trips, he throws, but he throws on the run, and he's not that accurate. Yeah, you're right. right. He's, uh, he's two touchdowns and, and five picks against top 25 teams last year. Right. Now, here's the other thing, too, that nobody's really talking about. It's, uh, you know, he's coming to Michigan on limited time learning this offense with a new offensive coordinator who just happens to be their wide receivers coach who was, just happens to be uh, the old head coach at Florida last year, Jim McElwain. I mean, are you kidding me how flat Florida was? And this is the offensive coordinator now at Michigan's Jim McElwain. And Shea Patterson's just coming in and learning this Jim McElwain offense that Jim Harbaugh is going to have his fingerprint all over it. They're going to use the power run game against Notre Dame, no doubt about that. But they're going to try to open up and get Shea Patterson out of the pocket too so he can display his talents. But with Jim McElwain as their offensive coordinator now and – Shea Patterson being there for just a few months and trying to pick all this up. I just don't see they, Michigan might be really good this year, but it just is not going to all come together during uh, against Notre Dame week one. Tom, no, I I, I think that Notre Dame is going to win. And uh, let me ask Adam this: Don't you? Because I know that you hate Michigan. Was it you, Rick's Twitter that I saw where you, there's like this class little kids class picture, and Shelby. then there's a. <laughs> I loved it. Then there was one little kid sitting all by himself away from everyone with a Michigan thing, and it said there's always a POS kid everywhere. <laughs> I thought that was classic. One I thought that was great. I thought that was great. You know, I, I again, I'm I'm going to ride the I don't like uh, Michigan bandwagon, as I've said four times on this show alone. Uh, Michigan has the most overrated, most overpaid coach, and it's not going to take much for him to be on the hot seat. And so I hope that Notre Dame helps that happen uh, by, with a win, no matter how much it is, uh, by, by Notre Dame. So 917-889-8516, if you're a Michigan fan, you want to call in and try to defend yourself here. I know we're beating up on Michigan, and that's that, that's my fault because I am a, a Notre Dame homer, and now we have a Buckeye Adam on. You know, the name speaks for itself. So I know we're beating up on Michigan pretty bad here. But while we have Adam on for, for now, there's a couple more games I want to try to get to. One is Miami and LSU. And, uh, Adam, this question goes to you. Uh, I know – I I think I know what you're going to say, and uh, – who needs this win more, Miami or LSU? Uh, LSU, not even a question. Right. Um, LSU's, you know, they're, uh, 
they're breaking in um, a new quarterback who is someone that Buckeye fans are very familiar with, and Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, by a lot of accounts, um, was the safer quarterback between him and Dwayne Haskins, who won the quarterback battle for us, uh, being the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, Joe Burrow is from Athens, Ohio. His dad is an offensive coordinator at the University of Ohio. Extremely intelligent Got a solid arm, nothing spectacular. He's one of those guys that can beat you, but won't lose you the game. Um, he's essentially the quarterback that LSU has not had in years. They've either had a guy like Jamarcus Russell or Danny Etling, who I don't even understand how he was a starter in the SEC when he couldn't even do a thing at Purdue. But that's that's what they that's LSU needs this game bad. Mark Rick has. Uh, had a good unexpected year last year. So he's kind of riding this wave of like where, where he can't do any wrong. So if they drop an opening game to LSU for them, I think it'd be no harm, no foul, unless they get absolutely blown out. Tom, the, uh, the oven, not the oven, but the stove top is already warmed up underneath the uh, Ed, Ed <laughs> head coach for the, uh, yeah, the, uh, for LSU, uh, a loss right here. Uh, of course, that the Flames are just going to keep rising and rising. Do you think LSU under Ed Orgeron can compete as you see it today in the SEC? No, but it is this game. I don't know is going to be that deciding factor. It is going to be a battle of of the heavyweight names that really should amount to really what a lot of people might think is the college football elimination game for one team and and possibly a launching pad for the other and. That could go either way. Uh, LSU uh, is, is is a power program coming off a solid nine-win season, but it's not enough considering national championships are supposed to be a part of the equation each and every season, no matter what. And I don't know that the talent level has. I know I don't. I just don't know that the talent level is there. So I don't know that we could put it all on the on the coach. Uh, but uh, uh, I would say that LSU is going to. Well, this uh, I agree with uh, Adam. This certainly is a must-win for the Tigers in Texas. So, let's say LSU wins this game, all right, but then only put together like a seven-win season because they play in the SEC and how tough that is. I might argue this might actually be a bigger game that Miami needs, considering they're in the, they're in the ACC and they're going to have to. If they lose this game, they're going to have to beat Clemson if they want to get into the uh, the playoff. And that uh, if they can run the table and lose to Clemson, and they'll still be right there on the bubble, uh, taking consideration to be in. But a loss to LSU means they're going to have to beat Clemson. And, and Adam, I just don't see that happening. Oh no, I, I Clemson. I mean, Clemson is. If you if you're looking at it, it the 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 spot that wins championships being the O line and the D line, uh, Clemson and Ohio State have the best two defensive lines in college football, and it's not even. I mean, it's not even comparable. Both of those defensive lines are absolutely star-studded. And and then on top of that, Clemson has uh, Trevor Lawrence, the freshman quarterback, coming in. And Kelly Bryant held him off in camp for now. But that kid is an absolute stud. He's a potential future number one draft pick in the, in the NFL. And, and Clemson is going to be a hard, hard team to beat. The question with Clemson is, as always, will they have that hiccup game like they had last year against Syracuse? And then if they lose another tough one, uh, that, that you know that that's kind of how their seasons are typically gone outside of the year that they won at all. And Tom, we'll stay in the same conference. Uh, mm-hmm. Florida State under Willie Taggart. Uh, I 
I just didn't see that really as a match made in heaven. But now as we're at college football eve, you know, week one starts tomorrow, uh, 917-889-8516, you can weigh in on the uh, ACC. I'm coming around on Florida State, and they open up with Virginia Tech. And that is one hell of a week one game also. That's just up that's up there Washington, Auburn, Michigan, Notre Dame almost. I mean, that is a, a great matchup. And I'm coming around on Florida State. Uh, what are your thoughts on Florida State? Are you asking me? Because I, I, I tell you what, if Miami could come in and punch Florida State in the mouth this year, I think that's going to show a lot to Florida State fans as to, to why they don't have a coach anymore who followed the money and says uh, – See ya. We wouldn't want to be ya. Uh, can I say that? It's like 2018. Can I still say that? See, you wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, I'm he, old enough, man. It's cool to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I know we wanted to get over to the Ohio State talk too, so I want to dominate that talk. But that said, when we were talking about Miami and, and LSU, uh, Ohio State's got Miami coming up, and I think doesn't uh, Ohio State also have? Florida State this year, I could be wrong about that, but uh, no. no, they have Oregon State. That's who I was thinking about. But still, go ahead. Which is a game that Urban Meyer is going to be suspended for. Uh, so I know that's in our in our line there, Rick. So I'll try not yeah, to step we'll, on your we'll toes. Yeah, we'll get to Ohio State here in the tango, sir. Because <laughs> I just uh, there's one more game we want to get to, and we'll jump right in the Urban Meyer talk. Because I know Adam's just dying to get into that. So uh, he's nipping at the bud, nipping at the bit. So, Adam, uh, do you see any scenario where Louisville makes a game against uh, Alabama this Saturday? No. No. Now, come on, because uh, Louisville might have, like, the the best-named quarterback in college football. Do you know know who Louisville's quarterback is? I don't. Puma Pass is his name. And he's big. He's like the exact opposite of Lamar Jackson. He's a he's a pocket passer. I think he's like six six, laser rocket arm. You know that's something from the uh, early two thousands with Peyton Manning, if I could say that. So uh, they're thinking he's going to be able to throw the ball around the yard against Alabama, but because they think Alabama's secondary is kind of down. I know, and I also know they have some injuries at linebacker. One of their starters isn't going to be uh, be playing in this game. But with Tua Tonga-Vailoa at quarterback, it doesn't matter how many points Louisville's going to score because Alabama's probably going to put up 50 a game on everybody they play this year. And uh, also, Adam, what do you make of Tua Tonga-Vailoa being the highest front runner right now? You know, we're making a lot out of a half. You know, I, I, I think right. Two if quarters. you look at body of work, like he was really, really good. But if you're talking like not NFL projections, which I think is where a lot of this comes in, but if you're looking at like who was the best, uh, returning quarterback, I don't know how Will Greer isn't the, the, the Heisman front run at this point. Uh, the dude has put up unbelievable numbers with really, really good accuracy. Really, if it wasn't for how good Baker Mayfield uh, was last year, Will Greer would have gotten a lot more headlines. It's just Baker is Will Greer and did it all better. But, I mean, if you've got, if you've got uh, Bryce Love as well as Will Greer um, out there and people are saying that uh, – the Tagovailoa is is the front runner. I don't see how that's possible. He played one half. They had no tape on him, uh, and he came in and did well. It's kind of like when like a, a rookie starting pitcher gets called up from AAA, 
and then in their first start, they'll go like six innings without a hit. It's the same situation. The second there's going to be some tape out on there, this kid isn't Marcus Mariota. Like, he's really good, but he's not Mariota as a senior. So, to call him the Heisman frontrunner at this point is just complete. It's the Alabama hype train doing what CBS and ESPN Yeah, do. it's a knee-jerk reaction. It's a knee-jerk reaction to two quarters of football. Where really, he just made two or three good throws, but you saw late in that game, he also took a 15-yard sack, which is something you cannot you can't do. You definitely can't do it in the national championship game, but it ended up working out for him. But uh, we'll see. He's got some growing pains. And, uh, you know, we're going to move this segment right along uh, before we so, get to hey, the uh, so, hey, Go ahead, Tom. Well, I just wanted to chime in on the Louisville-Alabama game. Do I think Alabama right. will win? Absolutely. But you asked you, – the question made was, can you make a case that Louisville can beat Alabama? There is absolutely the case that Louisville can beat Alabama. Three reasons. If Bama doesn't uh, show up. <laughs> well, that would be number four. Uh, but uh, Des Fitzpatrick uh, is is going to be the, one of the lead gaming uh, game receivers. And not only that, he's certainly uh, one of the top receivers in college football today. Alabama definitely won't cover the spread against uh, Louisville, no matter what you say there. Uh, and even you got though the spread Nick, for what is it? Do you know what it is? I saw it earlier. The least touchdowns. Three and a half. Three. The spread is the spread is three and a half. So I don't think they'll win by three and a half touchdowns. And also, you got to look at. What's his name? The running, the running back for Alabama, I think he's going to be one of the key players. He might even be the game's MVP. Damian, Damian Harris, Harris, is that what you said? Yep. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. But I don't think he's enough to carry the entire game to a victory. Now, there's the case of why it can happen. Do I think it will happen? No, I think Alabama will absolutely win. Alabama doesn't lose on the first and last games of the season. They just don't. <laughs> so, well, this is true. Touche, sir. Touche, sir. Touche. But at least they were. Go ahead. So, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll uh, get back on track here. Yeah, no worries. I'll just move the segment along here. Uh, Adam, I'm going to throw it over to you. Uh, there's a lot of trap games here in the first week already. Uh, what potential upset? What is the one, like, burning upset do you see that could actually happen uh, in, in week one? Oh, goodness. Um, let me, let me take a, a quick second to think about who's, I guess, I guess the question is, is how big of an upset? Because if Notre well, Dame is an underdog. I've got, I've got two. I don't think the winner of Notre Dame-Michigan to me, uh, you could say Notre Dame or Michigan, whatever. I, I don't think the winner, the loser of that game or whatever, that's, that's really an upset. Uh, Notre Dame's just a one-point favorite right now. Uh I don't really see that as an upset game. I, I'm talking about like an unranked team versus a ranked team. Let me see. Um, goodness gracious. All right, Tom, I'll throw it over to you. Then uh, we'll get back to Adam. Are you, are you asking me a question? Yeah. Yeah, what is the one big burning upset do you see that could actually happen this weekend? Can I use this button?
Yeah, you use that button as much as you want. I love that, actually. <laughs> I, think, I think Auburn's going to beat Washington. That's going to be the biggest upset of the weekend. I don't think that's much of an upset, but we'll call it upset. Uh, I was going to say San Diego State versus Stanford. We see San Diego State as running back. <laughs> yes, it's running back you anymore. We saw Darnell Pumphrey last year, two years ago, break Rondane's record. They come up these running backs that just you know run for fifteen hundred to two thousand yards a year, and I think uh, that offense that San Diego State puts out on the field has what it takes to could potentially upset Stanford. So we'll we'll go back to Adam. What do you think about uh, I, I, I San Diego mean, State? You know, San Diego State. Uh, it wasn't fair that the rest. Of, it wasn't fair that the other two of us got breaking news alerted and uh, Adam didn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Adam. Um, I'm sorry. The other one that I can't help but wonder is is even though I think he is the Heisman frontrunner, I wonder about Tennessee versus West Virginia. Uh, Big Twelve has yep. not played good defense yep. whatsoever, mm-hmm. and Tennessee at some point has to win a big game. Uh, they haven't won a big game since. What T. Martin was in school? At some point, they got to pull one yeah, that, together. That, that's a good. That's a good game to bring up for this. That, that's that's great. Jerry Pruitt, former defensive coordinator at Alabama, knows how to play defense. Could probably scheme against Will Greer in West Virginia. Uh, that was probably. I don't know what the spread is, but that game, I bet, is going to be really close, closer than the experts think. Tom, what do you think about that? Well, this just in: Clay Travis. says Tennessee will win. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he might be a bigger Tennessee Irish home. <laughs> we know, we know Adam. But we, I know how big of a Clay Travis fan you are. So, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, we want to make sure that we get to Adam and, and uh, Ohio State. I know you're the boss there, Rick. But uh, I'll let you lead the segment on that. But we, I wanted to make sure because we only got about. Uh, Nine yeah, minutes left on the clock, so yeah, go ahead, sir. At any time, it's just uh, one more game I was going to throw out there is uh, uh, the lane train, FAU against uh, Oklahoma. Uh, I think Oklahoma's like a three-touchdown favorite in this game, but Lane Kiffin knows how to play offense and run an offense, and I think that's going to be a lot closer in three touchdowns. So, uh, we can, Adam, I'll, I'll take your thoughts on that real quick, and then we can get into Urban Meyer. Uh, I just wonder how much Kyler Murray is actually going to be interested in playing football because right. he just signed a multi like a $24 million deal with the Oakland Athletics. If he takes one shot to that arm, is he going to phone it in? I, I I can't see any scenario where he is playing with his full heart into it because he's not pay, he's not playing to get to the NFL like all these other guys. He's playing because it'll keep him entertained for six months until he's out of Oklahoma playing for Oakland. All right, so 917-889-856. Go ahead, Tom. No, I was just going to ask a leading question to the witness um, as far as uh, Lane Giffen. Uh, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the show, even though I always screw up what school uh, that that he's in. Uh, he's at Florida Atlantic, but that's neither here nor there. I, I always think he's at Florida Golf Coles for some reason. That's that's my own stupidity, but I always mix that up. But nonetheless, and we'll get into this conversation, where, and where, this is where it's the leading question for the witness here. Uh, we could be looking at the last years for Urban Meyer. Uh, they could be separating ways very, very soon. And I think Ohio State Buckeyes will be one of the first teams to step up and say, Lane Kiffin, 
we're going to give you another shot as a head coach in a major school. Is that for me or Adam? That's for Adam. Okay. He's the leading witness. Gotcha. <laughs> um, are you asking, do I think that could happen? I'm asking you, do you think that's a real possibility that can happen? I mean, that's a possibility, like, I guess, I suppose, you know, the Browns could win the Super Bowl is a possibility. Um, well, you okay. I don't we'll go with that. We'll, 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 hey, hey, Adam, we'll throw that, even throw that in there. Let's just say the Browns do have a, a moderately winning season. They'll get rid of their coach because Urban Meyer says goodbye to Ohio State. It doesn't really matter. The Cleveland Browns are going to say, you are automatically hired here at the Browns as soon as you leave Ohio State. So, uh, yeah, I think Urban Myers goes to the Cleveland Browns. Breaking news. Go ahead. Sorry, that's buddy. Actually, that's actually not out of the realm of possibility. Like, I actually feel that way. Like, I feel Urban Myers not going to be at Ohio State after this season, and he could get picked up by the Cleveland Browns. I think that's a real possibility. Go ahead, Adam. The show's all yours, buddy. The floor's all yours. No, no I, I turn my, I, I surrender my time. I yield my time to the gentleman from Ohio. <laughs> in terms of, of Urban Meyer staying, I think that depends greatly on one of on, on two factors. One, the success of the team. Two, uh, how long our president Michael Drake stays at the university? Literally, he is right now the most despised man in Ohio because, despite a large mountain of evidence that suggested that Urban followed protocol and did what he was supposed to do. He caved to the media, which was calling for someone's head in a quote-unquote domestic violence case, which never actually resulted in an arrest. So, Wait, you're saying the evidence supports that Urban Meyer is telling the truth? Absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I, I don't see it. Suggest that he lied about three or four times, and they actually could have fired him for a cause. And they put football over like firing him is the, the reason why he's still the head coach. And I think he's lost the respect uh, from the president, and that's why he will not be at Ohio State past this season. And, and, and real quickly, just real quickly, because I do want Adam to do this, because Adam and I had a conversation offline, and, and Adam, I, we don't have to go into all the details, but I specifically talked with you offline, on the phone, and you pointed out some, some scenarios here uh, uh, regarding Urban Meyer. So maybe share that conversation that what I said is that because he's Urban Meyer and he's in Columbus, uh, and that, that Smith worked for Urban Meyer, that's why there was no arrest. You you told a story that you are very familiar with the Columbus Police Department. You told a story that this was a very dysfunctional relationship between two people in a very unhealthy relationship. Maybe you could shed some light on that to help us understand a little bit better of why maybe that what Rick is saying isn't necessarily copacetic. Not that I disagree with Rick, but it is another view of looking at things. Go ahead, Adam. So Sorry, Rick. <laughs> the primary problem that, that, that keeps on getting brought up is that Urban lied at, at media days. So the original question posed to Urban Meyer by one Brett McMurphy, who is a hack of a journalist by any stretch of the imagination, is uh, was 
can you state about the arrest in 2015 of Zach Smith? And Urban Meyer responded, there was never such a there was never such arrest. That never happened, which is 100% true. Zach Smith was never arrested in the quote-unquote 2015 incident in which the police report, which you can read and is available to the public, basically states that Zach Smith was in Columbus with his son on his day of uh, uh, for um, so custody, and Courtney Smith called Zach, said, if you don't bring him to me at our meeting location, I'm going to call the cops and say that you kidnapped him, in which case Zach then took him because he didn't want to have the cops called on him to the uh, previously agreed upon location where they always did exchanges. The exchange never happened because Courtney wasn't there. She then said, well, bring him straight to my place, even though she had placed a restraining order on her home. He took the kid there because she had demanded him, in which case he's standing on the front lawn with a video camera and a cell phone taking pictures and calling 911. That's the 2015 incident that Brett McMurphy references, oh, so allegedly. So, Adam, do, do you think that Urban Meyer could ever do a post-game press conference ever again? Like a big win, post-game press conference like all coaches do, do you think he actually does it this year? Um, I think so. Here's, here's what I'll say. If large other – um, if, if other places have and other people have done things significantly more gregarious, because again, we're, the, the media fasted this as Urban Meyer covered up domestic violence, but he didn't. Um, but that's the reason why I think he can't do a post game press conference. There will never be one football question directed at Urban Meyer in a post game press conference this season. I, well, I, it's all going. It's all going to be about about th- this situation. Right. I, I don't. I don't. I don't disagree. Now here's the thing. Could and, and and to go back to the previous question, could I see Urban Meyer leaving? Yes. Would Lane Kiffin step in? No. The if if Urban Meyer leaves. The coach that will take over is the coach who is our serving coach on the sideline this Saturday. That's probably right. If Urban's gone. I can't year, think of Ryan another coach. Elite Ohio State will want an elite coach, but I can't think of any big big names out there other than Lane Kiffin, which probably, I mean, he would probably want the job. But I don't think they would offer him offer Lane Kiffin the job just yet. But I think you're right. No, it, is, it, 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 is, would, is it Day? It is that be, his last it name? Be, it would be Ryan Day. Yeah. Who in 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 a lot of uh, in a lot of areas is thought of as highly as Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma this time two years ago. Tom, what are your thoughts about a minute left? Uh, well, you know, I'd like to see. I mean, I guess maybe I I, I know that uh, I, I get accused of uh, swinging on the. Uh, of the manhood of Clay Travis, but Clay Travis is a big fan of Lane Kiffin, and Lane Kiffin has been on his show multiple times, and I've heard Lane Kiffin tell his story multiple times, and I've heard the case brought forward that Lane Kiffin does deserve another shot at a major school, and I think Ohio State has that kind of relationship with Lane Kiffin that they would at least consider that opportunity. So reach out to us on Twitter, at BreakingRank1, on, on your thoughts. Lane Kevin to Ohio State. Reach out to me, at Riggin underscore Rick on Twitter. 
Tom, where, where, where can they find you on social media? Uh, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. But no, at, at Thomas, MA, Thomas and then M-A-R-Q, at T-Balance, uh, and then just, yeah, pretty much anywhere you can find me. Adam, I'm you there. got Twitter? Social media? Um, I, I, yeah, look me up on Facebook if you want to. I start yeah. off with the Twitter. Uh, I find it's a lot better for my sanity. <laughs> <laughs> right, especially what's been going on the past couple weeks at OSU. But uh, uh, I think it's, it's it's a great way for uh, you listening uh, to Breaking Rank tonight to reach out to it to us on social social media at Breaking Rank One at Riggin underscore Rick on Twitter at Thomas Mark uh, at Adam Jividen on Facebook. Uh, Lane Kiffin, the Ohio State, is Urban Meyer done after this year? Is he going to be the next coach of the Cleveland Browns? I think those are all like they're funny questions at the same time, but I also think they're good questions. But this has been it. The college football eve edition, college football season is back, baby. Is that the title of the show, Tom? Opening week, baby. Opening opening week this Saturday. This Saturday, tune in to the balance because it's two hours of college football uh, talking as well. And also, Adam, I want to extend a a thank you to coming on. Uh, Hopefully, you don't feel like we threw you into the lion's den. (laughs) Absolutely. I love to be on. uh, as much as I can be this season. Ah, uh, you're welcome anytime, All right. buddy. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Bye. We'll see you. Bye. <laughs> yep. He's, I, he's definitely yep. Ohio State Hummer there, oh. buddy. <laughs> you weren't lying. We should have started the Ohio State segment a half hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to get to why he's bigger games, though. You know, opening weekend. You know, we've we kind of beat Ohio State to death last week on the show. Of course, the the announcement, the big news, the the press conference happened live while we was on the air last week. So that was really great for us to kind of break the news as it happened here. here on- Favorite feature we had of the it. show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. You have yourself a good week. Uh, any? Uh, yeah. Break, you, breaking rank. You, say, join us uh, every Wednesday night, eight Eastern, seven Central. And how uh, do you work on a, a better uh, goodbye? See you later. You, you got uh, the deuces, uh, whatever. So I'm Rick Riggin. This has been Breaking Rank. Have a good evening. All right. My name is Sub Mark Michelle President. We'll talk with you soon. We're out of here. <laughs> Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.